Apologies. Um, I just, I just got a flash flood warning on my phone. Oh, there's that's probably a storm. why. <laughs> there's a storm happening. I'm in my parents' basement. In case you wanted to know, um, the anxiety that is Chiron's, that are Chiron's, is I looked at the word school for so long that I thought I was spelling it wrong, even though I checked it. Like I thought I was spelling the words. Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Natalia. Back for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I am here with the incredible, very forgiving, and amazing Hannah Malone. Hannah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Uh, Thank you for having me on your wonderful show today. Uh, As you said, my name is Hannah Malone, and... Before I dive into me, um, I know Natalia because we worked together for a time back when I was at NBC News, and um, she's a wonderful human, a very young and successful woman. I'm excited to see what she continues to do, so just ready to talk a little bit about my journey and and hopefully spread some positivity and, and talk about what it's like to be young and young during this pandemic as well so yo yeah young during oh but like before we go there I just would like to really commend you for how forgiving you are because that introduction was take two um some of the listeners might remember I had singer songwriter Madison Malone on um towards the beginning of this season and that is Hannah's sister um, and when I was introducing Hannah, I said, <laughs> I said, the amazing, incredible Madison Malone. <laughs> Which was amazing and hilarious for a couple reasons. One, obviously I love my sister and Natalia. Two, there's this running joke in my family, I kid you not. My sister is named after Madison, Wisconsin, the, the capital of Wisconsin. And I went to school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So there's this joke in my family that whenever I'd come home for the holidays and see family and they'd ask, how's Madison? I would start answering about how my sister's well-being is <laughs> and see how long the family member would take to like actually be like, oh, no, no, I mean school or like, you know, tell us about how school's going. So love it. Add that to the list. <laughs> if you haven't listened to that episode, listen to it. My sister's awesome as well. She is pretty fabulous. And <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself in my embarrassment that I should tell you where I'm at in the pandemic. Um, two completely different people. <laughs> in my defense, you are related. Um, equally as fabulous. Uh, so, <laughs> so I wanted to have Hannah on, the other Malone sister, because I really wanted to to talk to her about her kind of transition because we, like she said, we were working together at NBC News and that's how we met. Um, but Hannah then took a little bit of a turn. Um, and so I wanted to talk to her about what is it like to kind of make that shift? Um, being young, I think you're either, oh, I'm young, free, and can kind of do whatever, or you're like, oh, no, I'm in this one space, this one career, and I can only do that. And I think it's it's hard for some of us to think that we can make a shift. And I know me, I live in the idea that I'm 85 years old, and I'm not. <laughs> um, so it's like, I'm too old to make a change. So no way. let's kind of start there. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like the best way to talk about this is kind of to talk about how I got to my time with NBC News, Mm -hmm. Um, which is to say that in college, I had a bit of a journalism background. Um, Actually, at the beginning of college, I was rejected from the School of Journalism, which I I credit to having sort of this chip on my shoulder for (laughs) always being like, nope, I'm going to be a journalist anyway, you know? (laughs) Um, so I got involved with the University of Wisconsin School paper, the Daily Cardinal. I did some radio. I started an initiative called Stories to Break Borders. 
Um, and I always, I always like the reporting. I love storytelling. You're going to hear me say that a lot in, in today's episode. Um, cause it's true. And I say that um, a lot too. So you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> love. Um, so yeah, basically the 2016 election happened my junior year of college. And, um, I just, I grew more passionate about, about, um, politics and, and changing the world and, and storytelling. So, um, I ended up adding on a third major to my dual major at the time, which was communication arts and legal studies. I, um, added on political science and I applied for this, um, kind of study abroad internship program through the university of Wisconsin called Wisconsin in Washington. Um, and basically it was like, spend a semester in DC, you know, um, but you have to get an internship and that's sort of on you to do. So I, um, yeah, I applied to a lot of different places. Um, I was looking at nonprofits. I was even looking, man, I remember looking at the Supreme court and being like, do they have internships? Which they do. If anyone's (laughs) ever interested, not saying I was anywhere near qualified for that, but, um, there's, there's a lot of great internship opportunities in DC. So, um, because my resume was so journalism heavy at that time, I, I went ahead and I applied for an internship with, with NBC news and, um, by, you know, some great luck and opportunity, I was brought on for, uh, for fall 2018 with the today show team in DC for their political unit. Um, and it was excellent. It was an excellent experience, an excellent team. I love NBC News. Um, it turned into my very first job as an NBC News desk assistant, which is how I met you, Natalia, because mm-hmm. I believe you were the investigative journalism yeah. intern at the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and when when I started the job, uh, it was described to me by a mentor as a hands-on mass communication and journalism uh, kind of program that rotates and gives you a little taste of sort of news production in the TV world. And it was the best first job I think I could have ever dreamt of out of, out of college. Um, and really, you know, you, you work super hard and you learn a lot quickly, both about yourself and the world of news at that, at that scale, at the national level, at that 24 hour news cycle, basically. And, um, yeah, I think it was through that experience. I know it was through that experience that I kind of started to look inward after about a year of being in DC and I started to go, okay, so is this the path I want to stay on? Is this the track that I want to keep building on? Again, great experience, important work, uh, excellent people, but I think when I was seeking that and asking myself that question, um, I wasn't sure, you know, I, I wasn't, I guess I should say I wasn't sold that, that news was going to be my path in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to your point, when you're like, what's it like to make the jump? Like, should we just be stuck or afraid to make Mm -hmm. a leap or whatever? I remember being, let's see, I would have been 23 because this was, this was just over a year ago now when this was kind of going down. Um, and I remember thinking, well, if I don't try now, I don't know if I will. Mm. Um, and to be fair, I I think at any point in life, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to stop and go, Hey, can I turn the ship around or can I make a jump? You know, can I switch the course of action that I'm pursuing? And, um, yeah, I guess, I guess I wondered what else storytelling could mean for me outside of journalism. So, um, I, (laughs) I sort of would describe last summer as, as throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I kind of identified that if I was going to choose another city, I I wanted to really put roots down there and I have family in Los Angeles. So that ended up being the city that I started to pursue quite heavily. And, and I did research of different production companies and different, you know, businesses and, production assistant jobs, which was my current role, or excuse me, my role at the time last summer. So, um, I ended up landing a job internally with NBC entertainment for their marketing and digital department as a coordinator. And it is a completely different piece of the pie of storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'm, I'm really happy I did it. Um, I'm learning an entire new set of skills. I don't have a marketing background, so this has been marketing, I guess, learning marketing through osmosis and through mm-hmm. trial and error and <laughs> a lot of really patient people on my team. Um, and it's also been a really cool foot in the door of entertainment. So, um, yeah, I think if you're asking yourself, is the risk worth it? You absolutely need to have a cost benefit analysis of some sort, but I also believe that gut feelings are sort of guardian angels. And I had a gut feeling that, that news wasn't, wasn't necessarily going to be my path in the business of storytelling. So. And (laughs) yeah. And I, I remember when you like found out that you were like probably going to get the job you were, like, having coffee. You came in in a huff. You're like, I'm so sorry I'm late, but here's the thing. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then literally it was, like, a week later, and you're like, so I'm leaving. <laughs> so this actually happened, which, you know, that that also happens, right? Especially, I think, when we're young and pre-pandemic world. I feel like when you get hired for a job and, and I... I would love to hear a young professional who hasn't experienced this where it's like, you're hired. Can you work tomorrow? You know? So it was a very amazing, but quick turnaround. Um, Such a quick turnaround. And, and in my case, I moved from DC to Los Angeles in two days. I had my last day on a Thursday, moved on a Friday and started work on Monday, which I don't recommend doing. (laughs) So no, man, that was, I remember when you told us, like, when you, I was like, that is insane, but you weren't the first, you weren't the first one, there was another, like, colleague, um, Uh did you work with Jillian? Yes. Yeah, she, when she got her job with, um, NBC in New York, like, her turnaround was also super quick. Right. And I was just like, when you had that turn, when I saw Jillian do that, then I saw you do that. I was like, so what I'm hearing is I can never leave because that. <laughs> no, not true. You'd be surprised when, when you actually get the like, hey, this this is happening. You get a motivation and like an excitement like none other, whatever that is. You know, if that's a different place, if that's a different job, if that's a promotion, you'd be amazing at how inspiring and like quick you'd be to be like, OK, yes, let's make this happen. So how did you kind of position yourself to get a job in something that is completely, you know, foreign to you? Because I think that's a different, difficult thing, you know, as young people, when we're trying to, and as anybody at any age, honestly, like when we're trying to transition and prove to people that we can do this job that we're applying for, you know, what, how how did you tell them? How are you like, hey, you should hire me? Yeah, I don't have a marketing background, but, like, I can do it. Yeah. I mean, this is a question I still ask myself sometimes and definitely get some imposter syndrome about. Um, I felt that, by the way, imposter syndrome in news constantly because I was like, really, do should I be here? The kid who got rejected from J school, is this really where I should be? Um, but, anywho, it's definitely a work in progress, definitely something I think is worth overcoming. I will come back to that point, perhaps. <laughs> um, but... I, I think I got sort of lucky with who I was interviewing with. Mm. Outside of luck, though, I do think there is something to be said about being a storyteller and having examples, concrete examples of like, here's my writing, here's what I've done, here's what I know about how to make, you know, what show business is like, how to make TV happen. Because even though it's news, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's show business, it's, it's yeah. television, it's TV. And um, I really sold the like, I've seen what it's like to tell a story, um, But part of telling that story is how you market it and promote it in order for it to get heard, Um, which is true. And, you know, in my case, I'm now able to market the stories of help, I should say, (laughs) promote these incredible shows for NBC. And um, it's it's a very cool experience. And again, it's it's opening the gate to seeing what the entertainment side is like, what the fiction side or the. Um, you know, scripted, unscripted side is like, that isn't news. So, um, yeah, I guess to answer that in more detail, like, 
believe in yourself, sell yourself. I always tell that to my friends whenever they're interviewing is I'm like, it's kind of like the only time where you're just totally fine to just brag. You can just brag about all you've done. Don't embellish too much. Like be honest about your experience mm-hmm. for sure. But like spin it in a way that's like, yes, here's why I'm valuable, you know, and here's what I can bring to the table. That's different from that person. I think, and I think that's like hard to do because my, my fear is like, I never want to oversell myself because I don't want them to like, I don't want to show up the first day and then they ask me something that I completely cannot do. But (laughs) but what job? And seriously, I mean, what job do we, will we ever go into where it's like, yep, trained on day one and I'm amazing at this job first day, (laughs) just like I thought, (laughs) you know? It's just not, it's not realistic. In fact, today at work, I ran into a thing and I've almost been in this job for a year now and I'm going, huh, I have not encountered this. How do I do this? You know? And I also think that if you're following a path that's true to you and you're, and you're gaining Mm -hmm. work experience that is true to you, a lot of those skills are transferable. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, my goodness, the, the pace of, how quick today is going and when things are needed, you know, thankfully I had that news quick turnaround background. Oh yeah. And those editorial skills. So I think that's also something to believe in. Right. And it does take believing in yourself and believing like, yes, I trust that I trust myself and I trust this journey and and where this is taking me. What was something that I guess you had a particular issue with in news like, was there something that you kind of hit you as like, I don't think I can story tell this way? Yeah, and um, I think it's personal, but I will share that um, it, I'm a very, like, emotional, empathetic human, not saying <laughs> that people in news are not that way who stay in news. Um, <laughs> I just had a very hard time not taking it home with me. And Mm. maybe the best example of when I sort of knew, knew that like, oh yeah, wait a second, this might be not the way for me, um, was there were, uh, two shootings in the same 24 hour span last summer in El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio. Um, and my word that was last summer. (laughs) I know. Um, that was really, really tough for me. Um, that was tough to learn what was happening on the ground while it happened. That was tough to hear the stories from family members and survivors. Um, and I just remember going back to my apartment that night and I had plans, but I just broke down. I remember just crying. Um, and, uh, my, my boyfriend at the time was, you know, consoling me. And I just was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just, I need to, (laughs) I think we ordered Jenny's ice cream and and watched like into the spider verse, which is not necessarily the best coping mechanism, but I was definitely, I knew I had to go into work the next day to cover the same stuff. And at the time I wouldn't know this, but, um, the Dayton shooting was going to happen overnight. So, um, it was just tragedy times two. Um, so I think that was sort of the, like, yeah, I don't think I have the stomach or the heart for this. Um, that was, that was an aspect to it. Um, I also realized that the reasons I love politics are maybe different from like living and breathing Congress and congressional news every Mm -hmm, single day, mm -hmm. or this particularly this, um, particular administration. Um, I, I didn't, it was hard for me again to just go in and to the grind and, and cover that every single day. I was like, you know what? A lot of my storytelling background before DC was telling stories that aren't just political. Not to say that's the only stuff that I was able to help cover, but, um, I was sort of like, you know, this mixed with the rate at which we're telling stories with the 24 hour news cycle is, is a little tough for me. I don't, I don't know if it's a good fit for me. So. And that's, that's true. Cause it is hard to be on a 24 hour news cycle. Like people ask me like, how do you, I was like, I, I have a rule that if I'm not working, like, I am not plugged into politics. Like, I will at least try not to, you know, how far away from it can you get? But well, I think that's fair, and you have to have those boundaries for yourself and for your mental health and well-being, and 
um, I think that's awesome. <laughs> that's a healthy boundary. <laughs> I um, try. I like, I mean, it doesn't always work, obviously, because Twitter and Instagram and just everything Twitter. is like Twitter where everybody goes to die. Yes. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's constant, but like, I try really hard, like, I remember I was talking to some people, and they were like, did you, like, watch so-and-so's speech last night and talking about the convention? I was like, no, I have a rule that once I'm done, like, I'm not watching anything, like, day of. It's too much. It's too much. I'll watch it in the morning when I wake up. Like, that's, like, my time. Because, like, I, I can't, I can't physically do it. And it's so interesting to, like, live in live in a place that is so politics heavy when I like when I got into journalism I never wanted to talk about politics and it's kind of like inevitable if you're working on a DC bureau you know that's that's actually really funny you say that because I felt so similar where it was like I'm talking about it all day and as much as I love to talk about it organically it's almost like when you were working and covering it all day or talking about it or seeing it whatever that day brought um it was hard to have the energy to talk about it after work because you were almost like, wait, but what about these other parts of myself? And again, I found that hard to separate. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't think about work outside of work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, I'm sorry that you, wait, did I say that the right way? Yeah. It's good to think about your job outside of work yeah. because hopefully that means you like it, you care about it, whatever. But if, if you just like can't take that coat off ever, if you're sleeping in it and you're rolling around and it's all you can think about, you know, it's... It's good to be like, okay, how can I, how can I find identity? How can I separate this or create healthy boundaries for sure? And I think finding those, I think finding people within like your sphere or your business that you can commiserate with. And I know that happened a lot in the desk assistant program for all of us is like, because all of us were going through, you know, the long hours um, and just kind of this whole process together. So when we could find those people to talk with and, and for me, I found, you know, correspondents that have been in the business a lot longer than I have to be able to, like, connect with, especially now as, like, a black woman, just being like, how are you covering, like, yeah. I, I called, like, I called a correspondent, I was like, hey, can we talk? And he's like, yeah, sure, and I was like, so we need to talk about this, like, how are you dealing with this? As, That's like, a amazing. black person. And, like, so him and I, like, had a conversation for, like, 40 minutes. Because it was just, I need, I need that decompress. It's, like, how do I do my job effectively when this is something so personal? Yes. And that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, if it is personally impacting you, affecting you, you know, um, whatever your background is, you know, wherever you come from, there might be a story that resonates personally personally to you and you have to like know when to put the professional hat on but also like you said it's great to have a community that you find or mentors or friends within a workspace to be like hey let's talk about this how are you doing um absolutely and and again my decision to leave news was was very personal to me and there were other stories that I just were hard to stomach and were personal in other ways that I'm like yeah you know what Maybe, maybe I try my hand at something different. And so do you feel like marketing is where you want to put your hand in the pot of storytelling? Um, so I think it's a great stepping stone. I think that the coordinator level that I'm at right now is, again, a wonderful experience. I'm grateful to have a job right now and that I'm able to safely work from home and remotely. Um, but I do ultimately hope that I get back into storytelling proper someday. Mm, um, mm. what that'll look like, <laughs> ask me once pandemic world is called, I know. you know, um, but I, I think it's valuable. I keep thinking about how 2020 is sort of the year of the seed, how we're all just like seeds that are planted wherever we're stuck right now. And um, we've got to just kind of sit here before we grow into a flower or mighty oak or, you know, all of, seriously though, I mean, I can sit here and get frustrated that like, okay, so how do I make horizontal moves up right now? I've been in my job for a year. Like, how do I, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. And I've sort of almost paused that way of thinking to go, no, like 
I am taking in the sunlight. I am letting the rain fall. I am going to stay here and consider what my future looks like and try to outline what I find important and what my passions mm-hmm. are. And I, I think that that's actually something that this, the quarantine time in 2020 has allowed is me realizing that purpose fuels passion mm-hmm. and that I want to be in the business of storytelling. Um, and if news isn't my path, there's a hundred other paths. Yeah. If, if marketing isn't my path, there's still a hundred other paths. So um, marketing is a great experience, but I do eventually want to get back to like I said, storytelling outright. Outright. And what what was, like, the biggest shock for you or the biggest change, like, going into the marketing side? Because you're still, like, part of, like, you know, the peacock, as we call it. That's, <laughs> you're forever a peacock, you know, under NBC Universal. And, but you were, like, on a different, like, feather. What was the biggest change? Man, um... Gosh, it's just a 180 all around. Um, Instead of your day being based on what the president's tweeting, it's like, okay, what show is going to premiere this week? What is what's happening on SNL this week? You know, Mm -hmm. what is Jimmy Fallon doing tonight? Um, (laughs) It's it's cool stuff. So I feel like this year. So the fact that it's not just marketing, because marketing is like a general space to be in, that it's entertainment marketing. It's just been really cool to see like okay, and this is why strategy is going with this campaign launch or promoting these talents in these ways or this show in this way. Um, I think it's given me a better editing eye because, you know, in news, Mm -hmm. we got to help be on the production side of stories. Um, And it's cool to see, like, what the writer-producers I work with choose for, like, yep, this is a good segment to use to promote this show and why. Because I think it's sharpening my skills of, like, sort of how in news there are sound bites that you're like, aha, yes, that's a great sound bite to use. I mean, that's really, that's a lot of what I'm doing with marketing these shows, being on more of the post and creative side, creative Mm -hmm. technology, um, is it's like, okay, yep that shot worked or that soundbite was really good and that's going to get people to watch this and NBC is home to some really incredible excuse me some really incredible shows Mm -hmm. and to be on the side of like yeah and here's how we're promoting that to get you to keep coming back to get you to stay a loyal fan or Mm -hmm. to get you excited um it's it's cool you know it's happy it's um it's stressful, but in a totally different way, um, which I think is refreshing. And again, good for, good for, uh, my headspace a little bit. So there is that as well. Do you feel like you're more able to like actively engage in politics the way that, that you wanted to now that you are kind of removed from that and that's not your job all the time, you know? Oh, I'm so happy you asked this. Yes, <laughs> that is something that I also struggled with so much was biting my tongue a lot. Um, oh, girl, let me tell you. I, <laughs> I struggle with it. I always have. You can ask my family. I've always been sort of the sassy one, the fiery one. Um, and I definitely have an opinion about things. And um, I respect unbiased opinions in fair journalism, right? Um and there was a lot of me deciding it. I wasn't going to say my opinion out loud in a newsroom or even in the space that is DC. Cause I, I grew to a place where it was like, I didn't feel like I could be honest about my opinion on something. And mm, mm. it was a little insidious cause it started to spread in ways that were, I don't know. I wouldn't give my opinion on any, on anything. Mm. Um, I would stay quiet and observe and, think about the fact or only express the fact and, and not my feelings behind it. And, you know, there's probably some, some positives to that if you stay in news. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think it's wrapped up in my identity and, and what's best for me. And I think I'm just, uh, truer to myself when I am able to express my opinions. And I've actually really loved that and felt way more like myself, um, in the last year because I am able to sort of feel like I have the freedom to express opinion more freely. Um, Mm. you know, everything that's happened in the world, George Floyd, um, in, in my home state, uh, Jacob Blake, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, this is not right. And 
and talking about that in a, in a different lens that I don't know if I'd be able to had I stayed in news. Um, I do think that's a privilege. Um, and it's a freedom that I, I didn't have a year ago. So I'm grateful for it every day. And that, and that being said, like, I think it's, I think it's something that expands beyond journalism too. that, that idea about what we politicize, because I think, you know, saying Black Lives Matter shouldn't be a political statement. I agree. And I say that freely, and I, and I say that knowing that it's only in recent history that I'm not going to get in trouble for saying that as a black woman, which is, like, insane to me, because even a year ago, I think, like, if I had, like, said that in, like, in, not in a, a factual way and, like, not talking about a particular story or, you know, just as my own personal opinion, I think, you know, I could have gotten in trouble for that. So I think it's, and I think that extends beyond just, like, journalism, because you're seeing it now with um, uh, the sports industry, um, a lot of, a lot of them, especially, like, it brought up with the, the NBA and the WNBA, like, they have a lot of, like, no protest clauses in their contracts, so it's, like, how do we finesse around that, that, like, clause, but still do what we need to do to show our support for the black community? Right. And I just, Yeah. yeah. I think it's, like, a very, it's, it's so interesting how, like, we have to finesse around being engaged around important issues, depending on the industry that you're in, and still convincing people that you can do your job to the best of its ability, regardless of what your opinion is. And I think, I think that's, like, a, a nuance line that people are trying to figure out where, where it is. To be like, I want to show my support for X, Y, or Z cause, whatever it may be, Black Lives Matter or not, and um, and also proving that you can do your job just as well before you made these statements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It does make sense. I know there's the whole, like you said, it's the shut up and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and LeBron James has obviously been a staunch, like, no, no, don't tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think, like you said, it's, it's a nuanced sort of way of navigating this, this 2020 world. But I think it's important because, um, yeah, there, there are definitely things happening in the world right now that shouldn't be politicized, right? And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but yeah, it's like Black Lives Matter is, is not political. It's a human rights thing. Wearing a mask should not be a political thing. Um, there's so many things I'm like, these should just be human rights and seen as human issues. And the fact that they can get politicized is, is sad or, or honestly unfair. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of progressing as a society and coming out of this year and I guess moving forward with humanity and empathy is having that understanding that these issues shouldn't be politicized and that people in different workspaces can be intersectional. They don't mm-hmm. have to just be athletes. They aren't just journalists. They're people. Mm-hmm. These issues might be impacting them directly. They might be, you know, teachers, whoever they are. Um, and I think that is something that's kind of been a really cool thing to come out of social media is the use of platforms, big and small, um, if you ask me, because I mean, Whoever you are, whatever your following is, what you're sharing in these in these times um, is gets seen, right? And mm-hmm. you don't know. It's it's like the starfish story, right? Like you don't know who that's who that's impacting, who's seeing that that may not have realized. Oh, I shouldn't be, you know, sharing the trauma of POCs. Mm-hmm. You know, I viral videos, or um, oh, this is how you register to vote online this is how you order an absentee mail-in ballot like I just think that that really is a powerful tool of social media um so I know I just kind of got off on a tangent but no 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 I feel I'm like, here I feel for like it. it's related because it also shows how people are not just their careers 
or their titles, Mm -hmm. we're seeing a a layer outside of that that's going, we got to address this. We got to talk about what else is happening here. And seeing the, the, the passions that come out of that, because I think we are seeing now the mix of, of passions coming with, uh, social causes, whether it's through artwork or dance or plays, music, books, like, I, and I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I love discovering, not like I'm just got like, you know, I'm personally discovering, <laughs> but like, discovering for myself, oh, I'm like, oh discovered? my god, <laughs> I discovered. discovered. <laughs> Lady Gaga, you have discovered. Well, you know, um, but just like, kind of finding those unique things, because I, I think it is really cool, and I think it is um, really beautiful, the type of arts in, in the many ways that comes in that is coming out of this time. And I think each kind of industry is kind of having their own art. And we can argue about the effectiveness of it, the marketing aspect of it, if you will. Um, but Love. <laughs> Got to bring it back full circle. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I liked, I do love to see what I'm, what I am seeing coming, coming out of this. And I, and I think it is really, I think it is really powerful in, in many, in many respects. Now in your, <laughs> trying to bring it back a little bit to focus in your in your time in news in your time in like marketing in this kind of making these transitions as a young woman did you feel like you had a little bit more to prove did you feel like there were some barriers that you had to kind of walk across because I know you talked about not feeling like you could be your truest self um but you know how did that play in other aspects of like your work I think that's a great question. Can I pause for a second before answering that and, yes. and say, speak to a point that you were talking about, just the cultural sharing, the art sharing. Mm-hmm. And I should have interrupted you, but I was like, you know what? Oh, wait a second. <laughs> um, just because, again, like BLM has been on my mind more so than ever because of the incident that took place in Wisconsin on Sunday. Um, and I just want to say that like the sharing of culture through social media and the arts and music is how me a little white girl who grew up in the rural middle of nowhere Midwest, um, a place that I love, um, but that I can recognize um, does lack diversity of a lot of different kinds. Um, And the whole way I was able to, to understand diversity before experiencing it firsthand, Mm -hmm. I get that we were talking about social media, but it's through the arts. It's through black music and black art and culture that I saw in films and heard from musicians. And that's how, I don't know, I guess that's how I came to understand culture before experiencing it myself. So I think social media is just the megaphone for that. And it is, it's very cool to see not just political art or media or words shared. It's amazing to see like, oh, this person is different from me. Why? What are they like? you know, what are their interests and what is the art they're creating? So just wanted to go back to that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, as far as being a woman and going through these changes, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think there is this aspect of me feeling like my intersectionality couldn't shine in DC. Um, Mm. but kind of acknowledging that and going, okay, but I know I've got a strong work ethic decent enough communication skills and the hospitality gene that I got from working in a hotel during college, for sure. (laughs) Um, So I feel like I was able to like snap that into gear and and do what I had to do in DC. Um, And as far as making that jump, I had to hold my head high and, 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 um, you know, not everyone's going to be happy with your choice to pursue what you think is true to you. I did Mm -hmm. experience that. I'm not going to name any names, but there were people I encountered when I was leaving news who, who weren't as thrilled for me as I had hoped, Mm, you know? mm. Um, and as a woman, I just was like, you know what, this is my life. Um, and it's my path. And I do have confidence that I can see where this takes me and, and turn it around if I don't like it again. Um, and I guess making this this jump into marketing and entertainment, yeah, I mean, I think, I think um, 
gender differences in the workplace is an ever fascinating and evolving <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have had to kind of put on my big girl pants and be like, I'm here. I deserve to be here. Getting back to that imposter syndrome stuff. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Um, it's just like, yeah, you know what? I deserve to be here as much as that person or this person who's been here 20 some years because I've worked in very um, multi-general workspaces since graduating college, even in college actually, but, um, in these very corporate settings. Um, and I don't know. I, I think, I think about how different maybe all of this could have been, um, had it been prior to like me too. Mm, Um, mm, for mm. sure. I mean, for sure. Hollywood is still where I, you know, live entertainment world is still reeling and uncovering a lot of incidents, uh, that were a light was shone upon. Um, is that, that's not the word shined upon shine, shown, shinded, (laughs) shinded, you know, the light have shined. Okay. I need to not make light of this, you know, was exposed. And, um, I think that I feel safer because of that, which makes my heart like rise and sink at the same time. Mm. Cause it's a bit like, man, what would it have been like before this? What I feel is safe. And, and I'm not just saying like, yeah, everything's sunshine and you know, Oh yeah, absolutely roses. not. But I, I do feel like I'm more aware and I think there should be more representation of women in higher positions. And that inspires me to be where I am and to, to stay in the business of storytelling in the big city. In the, in the big city of L.A. <laughs> Los Angeles. <laughs> I know. I think, I think that is hard because, like, everyone that I've, I've ever talked to that's, like, in L.A., they're like, everybody's an artist, you know? Everybody's a singer or a musician or a writer or a director. Like, everybody is something. So it's not necessarily, like, convincing people that that's your job. But I wonder if it's more so making sure that your story is the one that gets heard. And I wonder mm-hmm. how difficult that is, like, as a storyteller, whatever way that may come across to kind of be like, no, my way is unique. It's unique to me, and I think it has, like, a perspective. Do you ever, in that imposter syndrome, do you ever worry about, like, your story is not unique to you or that there isn't that slight nuance that's that's going to make you set apart if you do transition to a different aspect of of storytelling yeah I mean that's a great question right because at the end of the day like how I am a a white female young (laughs) white female in Hollywood what do I have to bring to the table I you know I think everyone's going to ask that question like they're going to ask their self that question um but for me, I do feel like I'm different. I do feel like I've had experiences that are sort of all-encompassing, and I hate to use this word, but unique. Um, <laughs> <laughs> truly, though, I mean, I've had a I had a wonderful childhood, but I've I have experienced pain. You know, um, something that I I am open about. Um, I I'm a survivor of sexual assault in college, and um, Me Too hits home that much harder because mm-hmm. of it. Um, I was involved in end violence against women throughout college because of that experience. Um, I feel like I've dealt with pain and heartache and I've had chips on my shoulder, whether that's rejection from J school or, um, injuries in sports and ending up playing club volleyball at my university in college. And I don't know, I feel like the losses have helped shape who I am. The wins have as well. Like again, who Mm -hmm. was I to be an intern for today show but great experience that led to more great experiences so my point isn't just like I'm this so therefore yes my story should whatever Mm -hmm. my point is I feel like I've had a lot of different experiences experiences that have been amazing and awesome and I'm grateful for and would love to share and help others share their stories Mm -hmm. but I do feel like I have seen and experienced pain and that has made me a more empathetic person who as someone who's very creative and and writes almost every day, um, I feel like it does give me a point of view. Do you, do you feel like there was ever a point where someone that you necessarily like trusted, because you had mentioned that not everybody was excited for you to kind of make this pivot. Do you feel like there was ever a point that someone was kind of trying to stifle the way that you wanted to express who are someone maybe that you trusted? 
I mean, yeah, but I feel like that's every stage of life, right? Mm. Like, uh, yes, but I think that's kind of everywhere. And that's where it's like that belief in yourself and, and knowing it's character revealing when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, okay, yeah, you are a true friend or a true mentor because you realize that, yeah, I mean, I think you face that everywhere. I, I, not to be cheesy, but I, I did have some major shoulder injuries in college. I wanted to play college. Uh, I'm sorry, in high school, I wanted to play college volleyball. And um, I had, my doctor was like, there's no way you're going to be able to keep playing. There's no way you're going to have a season. And I kind of was like, you know what, that makes me want to have a season even more. And mm -hmm. so um, I worked really hard after, uh, before getting two shoulder surgeries. And I ended up being on conference my senior year of high school. I then went on to play club volleyball at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And I had it again with the J school. And friends who I realized were probably not great friends in college who when I expressed what I actually wanted to pursue, whether that's orgs or boyfriends or whatever, showed true colors when they weren't supportive of it. So yeah, I think, I think any young person will face that in their career. And so when I did face it, um, making the jump from DC to LA, um, it was like, you know what, I I'm better for this. You know, I, um, I think that it's naive to think everyone's always rooting for you as mm -hmm. much as I wish we could all just uplift yeah. each other all the time. And I hope that it makes you dig in and be like, no, I want this. No, I want this more, not because you don't want me to have it, but because I know that I want this. Mm. Um, and thank you for showing me you right at the end of the day. So it's inspiring, if you ask me. Um, what was the hardest lesson that you had to learn when you made this shift, when you moved to L.A.? The hardest lesson I have to learn? Um, that no matter how great and wonderful something seems, again, like, it, it, it takes time for things to settle. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess what I mean by that is when I made that crazy two-day move from D.C. to L.A., I expected to get there and for it to just be a breeze. I knew I loved L.A. My sister was out there. I was like, yes, this is this is the place I, I was meant to be. And it's just <laughs> going to be like, you know, la-la land and, and wonderful. That wasn't the case. In reality, <clears throat> I had a suitcase. My stuff was driving across the country in storage. I didn't know anyone besides my sister. Um, I didn't have a place. I was crashing at my sister's house. Um, and I, I was in a new job that was a 180 from my old job. And I was like, how do I do this? Um, so I think the biggest shock was like, it takes time. I actually had uh, someone I worked with who said, you can do any job for six months. So just keep, keep doing it. And um, I feel like I kept that in mind. And I sort of applied it to, to wherever you move to. So mm -hmm. perfectly and naturally at my six month mark in LA, the world was like, here you go, <laughs> pandemic. Now you have to leave LA as soon as you've settled in LA. Um, but yeah, so I think it was just like, you have to have realistic expectations with things. You can have aspirations and hopes and dreams for sure. They're not going to happen overnight unless you're told to move across the country in two days. Um, but <laughs> They really, they won't. And when you get there, it might not be what you expect, but you have to like keep that in perspective and you have to just use it as fuel and go, okay, great. Like, here's how I am going to adjust. And little by little, I got used to the traffic and I got used to the sun all the time, which I love, by the way, I said that as if it were a bad thing. I got used to the sunshine and amazing weather. Damn you, son. No, um, no. Uh, so I think it's just that it's like, yeah, it's not going to be completely perfect. Just like when, when 2020 is over or the state of the world calms down, it's probably not going to just be a, like a light switch of amazingness. If anything, we're realizing how much work needs to be done. And mm. I think that actually applies to a lot of young 20 somethings is like, yeah, we're just any experience is good experience and it's helping prepare us for our futures. So, mm. yeah, I like that. Um, and we've come towards the end, um, of this time together. Uh, but I, my last question I always ask everybody is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Yes. Um, I think being a woman is knowing yourself, um, 
knowing yourself through those that you've surrounded yourself with, through the choices you make, um, you know, the only person you're destined to become is the person you decide to be. Um, I believe that. And I think being a woman is about helping other women too. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today, literally, if, um, actually a woman of color did not get, take a chance on me. And I think we have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. So I think being a woman is helping your fellow woman. Um, and knowing that we do deserve a seat at the table. We do deserve to take up space and share our points of view and follow our passions. Um, I think being a woman is, yeah, is love, is helping your loved ones and, and making good choices, being the best person you can be, sharing that. I love that answer. I mean, I love all my answers, but, you know, I love you. I love the answer. We're here. I love you. <laughs> um, so, is there anything you'd like to give a shout-out to, promote, give kudos to, before we close um, I mean, out? I mean, thank you for having me on here. This is a great experience. I actually talked to Madison Malone earlier today, <laughs> and I was like, you know, Mad, I, this is really my first interview. Like, I'm usually the journalist asking the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a totally new experience. Thank you for it. Um, keep keep working on your craft. You know, we're all we're all sort of in a state of standstill. So yeah. whatever those dreams are, you know, keep investing in yourself and and keep this podcast alive and well man because it is it is wonderful oh thank you i'm trying you know we out here working sometimes (laughs) sleeping mostly working uh (laughs) proud of you but uh hannah thank you so much for coming on i'm so excited you said yes this is Uh, the first sister act i've had on the show i love that i've like had both of you on now if your brother was a girl then i could make it through (laughs) (laughs) yes dang it yes um but but thank you so much i loved hearing about your experience um and yeah thank you again for coming on um and thank you to all the listeners so so much uh please connect with the show follow us on instagram and twitter at pretty face lady three and go ahead and like us on facebook at more than a pretty face um if you'd like to email the show because you want to say hi uh you know someone who could be on the show or you'd like to be on the show please email us at prettyfacewoman at mtapfpodcast.com and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.